You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Almost seems weird that uh, we're doing a podcast this late, even though this was the normal thing for a long time. Just been a been that kind of weird week. <laughs> weird day, rather. Weird, not weird week. I don't know what I'm talking about. See, I'm more nutty at the uh, end of the day now. Lockdown Wolverines podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I am your man on the ground. I say a whole publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. No, we didn't have a show Friday. I just needed the day off. Um, but we're also getting kind of to that area where I don't really know what we're going to talk about. And that includes today's show. This is called the Totally Unprepared Show, which is fine. There's things that I... I guess I want to talk about. Um, and we're just going to kind of riff it for a little bit. Uh, I did appear. I, I, I'm juiced up. I'm, I'm lathered up because I was on the uh, the on three, the Wolverine podcast with uh, Anthony Broom today. Uh, I like to think that I've usurped Clayton Zafi and Chris Ballas. They're no longer on the show. It is me and them or me and uh, Anthony. And that's just how it goes. <laughs> but anyway, um, so we talked about a number of things, uh, including like a lot of the stuff that we've talked about here on this show. Uh, so a lot of that's a r- little bit of a rehash. But I want to get into uh, to maybe a couple of players that I think are maybe being a little bit underrated. Uh, and some of these are, are guys that we talked about with Max Chadwick last Monday. And uh, I, I'm going to start with Rod Moore. I think that Rod Moore is criminally underrated, especially by the Michigan fan base. Uh, I certainly think that that's just kind of the safety position as well. I think that Makari Page is also on that list. I think when RJ Moten was here, he was on that list. I, I think that it's that Michigan is in a really, 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 really good position with Rod Moore in particular. I think that he could be a first round draft pick when everything is said and done. And that means even after this year, I don't think it's, He's not one of those ones that's I, like I say with JJ where I'm like, yeah, he's definitely coming back. Uh, I think that Rod Moore is just in a wonderful position to really have what is an even bigger breakout year from what we had already seen. Steady, dependable, not necessarily flashy, but also lots of interceptions in the right place at the right time. And that's by design. It's not like he's surprised by it. So uh, I think that he is really, really underrated. Um. I, and I'm going to continue with, again, leaning on Mac, uh, Max Chadwick, center uh, Drake Nugent. He was way higher on Drake Nugent than I've even been, right? Like, Because if you've been watching or listening to this show for any given amount of time, I've been saying he's going to be somewhere between Andrew Vistardis and Olu Oluwatimi. But he says he's the best returning center in the country. He should win the Whit Remington Award. If Michigan can get two straight Remington Award winners, I mean, literally insane. They'll win a third straight Joe Moore Award if that's the case. But love where Michigan's at on the offensive line. I mean, this is... I can't recall a time. I mean, even when Michigan had these just amazing offensive lines in history in the nineties and in, you know, just throughout the, from since I started paying attention to the Michigan football, I think that they're in the most advantageous position. They would have been in a really good position without bringing in the transfers. They didn't need the transfers, but then they bring in these guys Two are almost certainly going to start. And Drake Nugent 
like I, I don't I, I, people weren't as excited about him as they were Ladarius Henderson or Miles Hinton. Miles Hinton, that makes sense though, because I mean he was a former five star. Everyone's really familiar with him, brother of Chris Hinton, and all of that stuff. But Drake Nugent's probably the one that everyone should be the most excited about. That's where I'm going to go with that. Um, all right, let's flip over to the other side. I'm going to go with Kenneth Grant. I know that seems kind of weird. I mean, he's a gift from the football gods, as we've heard. He was on the freaks list. He's been talked about ad nauseum. But we got to see more Mason Graham. We know and expect a lot of really big things from uh, Mason Graham based off of what we saw. And I I guess I can lump in Rayshon Benny into that. So let's just say both of those guys. I think that Michigan's defensive front is just particularly the interior is just going to be nasty this year. I think it's going to surprise people as to how good it is. It's, it's really just in a very advantageous position. And I think that Kenneth, uh, Kenneth Grant has taken a big step forward this spring. Usually you don't count on a freshman defensive tackle to be a powerhouse the way that Mason Graham was. So the fact that we were kind of expecting it of Kenneth Grant in year one tells you how high his ceiling is. And I'm really excited to see what he is able to do this next year. So um, I, I think that he's going to be a household name by the end of the year. And it, it's it really, I wouldn't be surprised if he's getting like kind of Alan Branch-ish comparisons, maybe even a little bit better. That. I think would put Michigan in a really good spot. All right, let's move over to back to the offensive side of the ball. Um, I'm going to say Benjamin Hall. Actually, you know what? No, I'm not going to say Benjamin. I'm going to say, I mean, I'm going to say Benjamin Hall, but I'm not going to talk about him. I'm going to say Khalil Mullings. Um, I want, I knew I wanted to mention a running back. Benjamin Hall, I think is going to have a, a rule cut out for him. Kalel Mullings is kind of funny. He doesn't really get talked about at all. Running back, linebacker, obviously had the huge mistake that is going to haunt him for his the rest of his days in the college football playoff. Guys can come back from that type of stuff, right? Like, I always remember a, a lot of those players, the Jeremy Gallons, the Morgan Trents, the Stevie Browns of the world, that when they first get their first real taste of playing time, they have those moments where you're, they're just vilified, and then by the end, maybe not so much Morgan Trent, but by the end, they're, you're like, all right, yeah, okay, they're really good, you know, they they've really stepped up and in, into that role. I think that's going to be Kalel Mullings, especially if he's spending a lot more time at the running back position. I'm sure ball security is one of his foremost uh, <laughs> things that he's focusing on this off season, considering everything, but like. He looked. He wasn't in the spring game for very long, but he he looked the part of a running back, right? Like he he looked like he could do more than just be a short yardage guy. They need one. Could be Benjamin Hall. Could be C.J. Stokes. I, I don't know. They're they're building that that room in kind of an interesting way. It's gonna be weird though because the intention is that Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards both depart after this year. Donovan Edwards fully believes that he is. So it doesn't necessarily leave you a lot of room for like building it up, you know, to the point. It's not like, like we're, you know, 
Hassan leaves and then you got Blake and then, it, you know, if, if Donovan stayed another year, then you'd have Donovan. And then after that, then you'd have Jordan Marshall or something like that. But it's, um, I, I think that Kalel Mullings, I mean, this would probably be his last or penultimate year. Um, it, it will be interesting to see what he turns into because I think that, that they're building something pretty nice with him. All right, so last, uh, we'll switch back to the defensive side of the ball. Michael Barrett, as uh, Max Chadwick said, is just not getting the as much credit. Like He's just kind of like a guy that we know at this point because, I mean, this is year six. But, I mean, we, we saw late in the year how much he had come on. But it's amazing, right, because like he comes on. Everyone was super excited about him, kind of in the same way as like Big Viramontes was. It's like, oh, he's coming on as an offensive weapon. They switch him to defense, mostly a special teams guy, and then comes on kind of late. Um, and then gets benched again after being the Viper finally. Had, had a great first game and then kind of fell off. And then out of necessity gets uh, gets brought back out and really makes the most of it late last season. I'm excited to see what he does throughout the season because there's a reason why you can afford to have Kalel Mullings play on the offensive side of the ball on top of the fact that you got Junior and they bring in Ernest Hausman and they have Jimmy Rolder and Jaden Hood starting to finally come on supposedly. Good situation for Michigan. All right, we're going to move on to another topic. I want to discuss something I talked about on the On3 podcast, uh, which kind of heralds back to some things we've discussed, but I, I had some... Let's see if I can remember some of the new talking points I had. We'll see if I do. But we'll do that here in just a moment. Before we do that, if you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories, then you need the best tasting protein bar ever built. You've got to try this. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices but don't want to compromise on taste, well, I've got just the thing for you, Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and they taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so amazing you won't think they're good for you. You've got to try it. I just got my box of the cookie dough, chocolate chunk, or whatever they are, puffs. Listen, I know there are some of you out there that that have said they've, they've DM'd me or they've written on Twitter saying, like, I don't really like the, you know, something about the regular ones. Well, then try the puffs because those are a complete game changer. But I like both of them. Try both. If you have, if you have the puffs, try the other ones. If you haven't just try both of them they're great um but i had two at a time i had two of the, this one uh because they're that good it was a meal replacement what makes built bars so good well for starters they're covered 100 real dark chocolate that's right real chocolate and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro peanut butter brownie and cookies and cream i'm not sure how built does if these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros what's even better is that they're healthy only 130 calories four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein and now you don't need to wait to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or at Sam's Club, and you can still get your specialty flavors at Built.com. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick a four, up a four-bar box of cookies and cream bar, double chocolate bar, or coconut puff. If you're close to Sam's Club, run and grab a 13-bar box of our hip flavors, brownie batter puff, and churro puff. You can thank me later. All right, let us continue on, continue forward with uh, with the show. <laughs> so, uh, Anthony Broom had asked me on the uh, on the on three podcast. He said, "What uh, what to you is the biggest storyline of the offseason for Michigan?" 
And to me, it's that there is no big storyline. I think that's an interesting place to be because ultimately Michigan has long been in this spot where there's been some kind of something going on. Who's the quarterback going to be? How, you know, how are they going to rebound from a two and four season? You know, every year in the Jim Harbaugh era, there's been some kind of something right from year one. Who's the quarterback going to be? How is Jim Harbaugh going to turn around a five and seven team? Year two, who's the quarterback going to be? That's pretty much it. Year three, how are they going to replace all those players that they lost? How's the defense going to be? And who are the wide receivers going to be? And before it ultimately in season ended up being, who's the quarterback going to be? 2018, we knew the quarterback was going to be Shea Patterson, but it was, can they take that step forward? And, I mean, there was still a little quarterback drama, right? Was it going to be Shea? I mean, everyone knew it was going to be Shea, but Brandon Peters was still there and all of that kind of stuff. But no one really knew how good they were going to be or not. 2019, unfortunately, not a lot of drama, but ended up not being super great. Had a lot of defensive personnel losses, but what you going to do? 2020. Everyone knew it was going to be Joe Milton and everyone, for whatever reason, felt like that was going to be. This is why I I always say, like, when you're looking at, like, a situation like Ohio State, for instance, and you sit there and say, okay, they should be really good because they've got all these receivers. Okay, but who's your quarterback going to be? Oh, don't worry about it. He's going to be great. You never know if they're going to be great. And so the live bullets are flying and they're in the big game, all of that. 2020, it fell apart for Michigan. 2021, we knew it was going to be Cade McNamara because Joe Milton pieced out. But it was kind of like, well, it was still, who's it going to be? Who's going to be your quarterback? Could be J.J. McCarthy, first year. And then last year, who's your quarterback going to be? So out of all of that, there's only been one year, really. Two, I guess. 2017 with Wilton Spate returning. And 2019 with Shea Patterson that you knew exactly who your starting quarterback was going to be and had confidence essentially that they were going to be able to do something. Injuries can change the game. It changed it in 2019. It changed it in 2017. Heck, it changed it in 2007. So I hope that doesn't happen. But Michigan's kind of built in a way where you feel like they could have a bit of attrition even at important positions like quarterback and still not only survive, but thrive. So it will be interesting to see how, how, how all of that unfolds. But I, I think that it was interesting is that there's nothing because even last year going into last year, it was not only a quarterback battle. It was Jim Harbaugh flirted so hard with the NFL that recruiting has taken a hit. You know, it's there, there have been off season issues there have been questions and or issues every year. You know, even 2017 to 2018, bringing in Shea Patterson was an off-season ordeal, right? Changed the complexion of things, but it was an off a whole off-season ordeal. And getting him acclimated, anytime, especially you bring in a quarterback transfer, getting him acclimated is a whole ball game. Playbook, 
fellow players, all of that stuff. Michigan has finally put itself in a position where it can just kind of move forward. And I think that that's a good thing. Got most of the coaching staff coming back. Keep in mind, that was another issue last uh, two years ago, a little bit last year. Right? No more Josh Gaddis. No more Mike McDonald. Now you've got Sharon Moore and Jesse Minter back. No excuses for this upcoming year. Injuries might be the only one. Because your schedule sets up very nicely. And as much as you might look at Nebraska and Minnesota, weeks five and six on the road and say, that might be a problem, it should not be. Because you don't look at Ohio State traveling to any other Big Ten team, except for now maybe Michigan, and sit there and say, that might be a problem. You, you maybe had that against Michigan State in the middle of the Mark D'Antonio era. But for the most part, you know Ohio State, you don't sit there and think, yeah, they're going to have a tough time, even like Penn State against Ohio State. James Franklin's, what, 1-9 and nine against Penn State? 1-8, and eight, something like that, or so against Ohio State? So, Michigan's at least finally in this place where you should feel pretty good and confident about where they're headed. Minnesota might be the first team that they face with a pulse. And maybe not. We'll see what the Ethan Kaliak Manis era looks like without Mo Ibrahim. I mean, heck, they did have a string there where Mo Ibrahim got hurt, and then another guy comes in, and he gets hurt, and then another guy comes in, and they were still running like 300 yards a clip. So they're in a good spot. Try your best to enjoy it as much as you can. All right, we're going to continue on here. In just a moment, Joel Klatt uh, released his top 25. I'll tell you where Michigan is. What I think a bit about it and a couple other quick thoughts on the state of the top 25 in college football. See, look at us. We are doing it. Even though I sat down without really any plan. <laughs> That's it's going to come in the month of May. It's just it, we're, we're trying to do at least four shows a week. We're trying to do five. We don't go down to three until June. And uh, we're, we're, we're trying to do our best in the throes of the off season. But uh, yeah, anyway. So Joel Collat released his top 25 on his podcast. He gave a little teaser on Twitter and uh, I wrote it up with uh, some thoughts on everybody. So Spoiler alert, Michigan, he has is the number two team in the country. He has Ohio State behind them at three. He has Penn State, I think, at five. Um, five or six or something like that. A couple other Big Ten teams. Uh, Iowa is uh, 23. Wisconsin is 24, I believe. And uh, Michigan State's obviously number 10. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but... Uh, I really think that that is accurate for where Michigan should be ranked. Well, whether they finish there or higher is entirely up to Michigan and what Michigan decides it's going to do. Um, but I, I think that Michigan deserves this type of credit, right? Ohio state got the uh, FPI love and uh, my guy, Josh Pate, you know, brought up the idea that, you know, teams that, uh, what was it? He said something about, uh, 
not returning talent because that that that's the whole deal. Oh, the teams that are projected to have the most first round draft picks tend to win the national championship. And that's where Ohio State is and whatever. I, I don't think that that's always true, right? I mean, sometimes it could be. I mean, if, if you're it's it is a lot of Ohio States are at the wide receiver position and they have had no problem at the wide receiver position the last two years and have still lost to Michigan. They had no problem at the quarterback position and lost to Michigan. They have certainly had more first round picks probably every year since Jim Harbaugh's arrived uh, and probably for the bulk of time and still, whether it's the last two years of lost to Michigan, I'm sure a lot of times in the Bo Beckler, Lloyd Carr, Gary Muller eras, they had more first round draft picks and still would lose. So, um, I don't necessarily think that that's a thing. But uh, Ohio State at three, I think it's, it's fair. But again, like I said at the top of the show, you don't know what Kyle McCord is going to be if he's the guy, right? Like, remember Michigan State when it was actually good. And I, I know it pains all of us to remember that era. But in the those mid, early to mid 2010s, uh, going from Kirk Cousins the expectation was Andrew Maxwell was going to elevate, right? He was a four star. He was, you know, a, a guy that was just, he was ready to bring the team to the next level. It's the same thing when you look at, you know, Kyle McCord and uh, being a four star quarterback, or you look even at Drew Aller being a five star quarterback. None of these things are sure things, right? A lot of times they are. Absolutely. A lot of times they are. Michigan's had two five star quarterbacks that, didn't quite reach that level in my guy, Devin, as well as uh, Shane Morris, another one of my guys. Didn't work out for those guys, but I'm not going to just say Michigan guys. You look at like DJ Uagalele, didn't really fully work out. Um, you look at Christian Hackenberg, didn't really work out. And at some point, a team like Ohio State, is going to just not have it work out. It's worked out so well for them. We've talked about that ad nauseum, but uh, nonetheless, but where I, so I have no problem with Ohio state at number three, but it's, they've earned that not just from name recognition, but just by consistency. Same thing with Alabama, Alabama's four. Uh, And uh, I, I feel the same about Alabama. It feels like with Milrow, Maybe they're still going to be good, but they kind of, and the recruiting classes are insane, but it kind of feels like we're witnessing the end of a dynasty here. Uh, the last couple years just does not seem like Alabama outside of 2020 when it went otherworldly with Mac Jones. It just did not feel like outside of that. The last couple years have been fully the Nick Saban, Alabama experience. But then I look at some other teams and I'm like, like, obviously Texas. Why, 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 why? Because Joel had Texas ranked not in the top 10. It was like 13 or something like that, I think. Here, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look where, where, we, where he had him. Yeah, Texas 17. I still even say that that's not, like, let's not, right? Because I understand we all... Not we all, because I'm sure none of y'all <laughs> or me are that eager for Texas to be back. And certainly next year, you hope that they're not back. But it just, it, it's, it feels so premature. Great, probably a great quarterback receiver combo. But again, I just don't, 
I don't understand the like, oh, this is it. They're doing it. Why? Because they played Alabama close last year. Again, that's a program that feels like it's on a very small decline, which still means elite, unfortunately, but it's still, you know, especially some teams get got. Elite teams sometimes get got. Ohio State gets got by Oregon. You know, Ohio State won a national championship after getting got by Virginia Tech. It happens. But, yeah, I just don't know that um, Texas belongs in that conversation. The other one, I don't have it. I can't. You know, it's got an ad. I'd have to play through with the sound and all that. So, uh, Oklahoma. He ranked Oklahoma. That's Those are probably my only two where I'm kind of like, hmm. Oklahoma is there strictly in my eyes because of name recognition, right? But Brent Venables went 6-7 and seven last year. I understand the Big 12 is kind of there for the taking. It's not like the Big Ten, which isn't necessarily there for the taking. You know it's probably one of two, maybe three teams, but probably one of two. And if Michigan does its job, just one. Big 12 is completely wide open. But what I don't understand, not only about that, is why does Utah or Kansas State, teams that actually won their conference, why didn't they not get enough love? Utah, in particular, brings back Cam Rising. Kyle Whittingham's done an incredible job. It kind of feels like Utah could really become that team. I know, they're not fun. You know, I would have loved to have seen Michigan play at a team other than TCU in the college football playoff, of course, um, just based off of the fun factor. I, despite the drubbing at the hands of Georgia, it was fun to see Michigan play Georgia. And But... I feel the same about if you're if you're gonna play Utah, it's kind of like oh, wake me up after the game, <laughs> you know. But we shouldn't be like that with Utah. Utah has been very very good under Kyle Whittingham. So anyway, that's my thoughts on Joel Klatt's rankings. To somewhat check out on Wolverine's Wire, I, I gave you all my take on all of that, or you can go to his podcast and watch his take on all of that. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We'll be back uh, on Tuesday. Probably more in the one, two o'clock range uh, again, and we'll try to keep it in the afternoon. Um, it might be a little off time just because I have some things in the morning, but uh, that is the plan. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Peace. <laughs>